0: Welcome to Buildings and Beyond,
1: the podcast that explores how we can create a more sustainable built environment by focusing on efficiency, accessibility, and health. Hey, I'm Rob Aldrich. In this episode, I talked with Christine Laukas and Adam Steftonagel, We talked about improving efficiency of homes, mainly existing homes, single family homes, or or at least low rise. Adam and Christine come at this from different angles, but I'll let them describe those angles. But this was really cool discussion. I really enjoyed it. Before we dug into things, I asked them to introduce themselves separately, starting with Christine.
2: I'm Christine Laukas and I am a registered architect and certified Passive House Consultant. I am at the Center for Building Knowledge at the New Jersey Institute of Technology. And I've been focused on energy efficiency and sustainability for a long time. uh, Since my days back at Stephen Winter Associates working on the Building America program. And um, the thing that I'm focused on most right now is something called opportunistic retrofit, which I know we're going to be talking about today. So I'm very interested in making existing buildings more energy efficient, since that's mostly what we've got to work with.
1: And I asked Adam to introduce himself. My name
0: is Adam Steftonagel, and I am the CEO and co-founder of two organizations, um, Snug Home and Radiant Labs. And both of our companies focus on uh, really energy modeling and energy um, just analysis cost-benefit analysis uh, and the financial calculations around doing energy improvements on buildings um, so uh, they're software companies uh, they got different roles and, and whatnot snug home is a energy auditing tool that's largely used by contractors and government and utility type programs and radiant Light. Labs uh, is trying to take a little more of a, a market direct approach um, and focusing heavily on building electrification and um, the, the more large-scale deep energy retrofit space um, through both uh, public policy um, providing tools and analytics and apis for the public policy folks
1: as well as direct to consumer well thank you both for being here uh, this this is a cool topic and I had I had talked to you when I was thinking about doing an episode about improving you know performance efficiency of single family homes I had kind of talked to both of you separately and you're both kind of coming at it at different angles and I thought it'd be kind of a cool cool discussion to talk about both angles and Adam your angle I can correct me if I'm wrong is is a much more mm, comprehensive approach so really and you mentioned deep energy retrofits and from an energy geeks perspective that's kind of the more interesting and appealing and exciting you know you're going all the way you know getting to zero energy or or whatever with the existing all can you i mean briefly talk about a if if that's correct if that's kind of what you're what you're kind of pushing and and briefly why and how you're you're pushing that track
0: yeah thank you I, what's so interesting is that you know, when we started out with Snug Home, we were like, well, well, any kind of efficiency is great. Like whatever carbon savings we can convince the homeowner to do, we'll take it, right? And so you started getting, um, you know, the programs and the, the you know city and state governments, all the folks that were for pushing this kind of stuff and the utilities, they're getting some carbon savings and that's good. Um, but when we decided and realized that we were not really making a dent in, in, in real carbon reductions uh, and that we had to go so much bigger, it shifted the concept a lot. And so we got this idea of building electrification that started coming along. Um, you know, We were talking about it in 2014, but it's really the talk now um, for all the different government programs and and, and the utilities are talking about it. So it's starting to happen and building electrification, is an interesting little character because um, you know we've got some great new technology, heat pumps that can heat the house with electricity way more efficiently than the than electric resistance heat, of course, but but even way more efficiently than the heat pumps uh, of of the of your parents and your grandparents uh, in the Midwest kind of thing, right? So it's it's very different world of technology. So we're like, great, well, now we got some new tech. Um, We've got induction cooktops instead of gas stoves, really precise, amazing cooking experience. We've got heat pump water heaters, just phenomenal uh, energy savings that you can get out of those things. And so there's this big push towards electrification, but it doesn't always work in every circumstance, And so when we started Radiant Labs, we were trying to figure out um, what are the situations where electrification makes sense and what do you have to do in order to get it to work? And then how do you get it to be financially viable? And so, with that in mind, you know, you start looking at, well, how do, how do the heat pump systems get deployed? Like, what do you need to do in the house? Um, most central heat pumps need, uh, can, can produce at most 40,000, 45,000 BTUs an hour at the coldest of the cold temperatures outside. And not a lot of homes only need that much energy, <laughs> you know, in order to keep the house warm, um, at least without improvements. So building envelope improvements become absolutely crucial, especially in the cold climates where these heat pumps can actually keep the house warm, like they can do a good job, but the load and the sizing of that equipment has to be able to match, um, you know, what, what the house needs. And so envelope improvements have just become crucial for even getting these heat pumps deployed um, in, in in many of the climates throughout the country. California, no problem, right? Very mild, not a big deal. They work everywhere. You don't even need cold climate heat pumps in California. Um, but in a lot of the places we were looking, Colorado, where where we started our company and in New York State, which is one of our biggest um, clients right now, um, it's very difficult to get those houses down to even 40,000 BTUs an hour, right? And so, you got you to gotta go pretty deep to do that. The other piece of the puzzle is even if you had a heat pump that was sized right and could, could do the work, if you've got really cheap natural gas that you're trying to do the economics against – they just absolutely don't pencil out from an operating perspective, right? From operating cost perspective. And so um, you have to think bigger than that, right? At 72 cents a therm, which is what gas used to be in Boulder only a couple of years ago um, compared to 13, 12 or 13 cents a kilowatt hour electricity. um, Even an 80% efficient gas furnace was still less in operating cost than a high efficiency cold climate heat pump. And that's just not going to work, right? You're not going to convince people to pay more for this new technology, even if it does potentially save the planet. So the thing that we had to bring into that picture is rooftop solar. Rooftop solar, amortized cost of rooftop solar is so much less than your grid electricity. If you've got net metering available, um, it's a no brainer. And so, I mean, I did this work at my house. I had just moved to Florida uh, last year, and bought a 1955 house in St. Pete, and we, you know, did the rooftop solar. I, I got this installed for two dollars and sixty cents a watt, with a 25 year production guarantee. That comes out amortized cost for like if you if you calculate the total amount of electricity that I purchased and divide it by what I paid for it, I'm I'm paying five cents a kilowatt hour for my electricity. <laughs> right. For 20, 20, for incredible. 25 years. For 25 years locked in. Yeah. Right. Right. So so that's the kind of stuff that we're looking at, because, you, you know, you may need solar to make the heat pumps make sense. You're probably going to need envelope improvements for the heat pumps to make sense. There's all these different interactions between the pieces of the puzzle that are really important. And so, you know, I, I just say, as we look at all these new rebates coming in, you know, we, we can't just throw heat pumps randomly at the wall and hope they stack right? <laughs> you got, and, and you can't just train the contractors on how to install the heat pumps. You need to make sure that they've dealt with these other issues, that they've dealt with the load, that they've made sure that the economics are actually viable for operating costs. Um, so, so, that's what our software is really trying to help drive is the education around that and the modeling
1: to help you figure all those pieces out. So, so if you so let me th- see if I heard you right. So your <laughs> your focus, you know, you're you're going big. You're going, you know, envelope improvements, load yeah. reductions, PV. The first driver for that was electrification for, for carbon mm-hmm. reasons. Yes. And then it was load reduction just so heat pumps would work better, and then PV just to be cost be cost effective. Is that a, that, that,
0: that, that's a good way of simplify. putting it together and throwing in an electric car and the economics are even better, ah, like significantly okay. better. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's really the approach that we, we, we took when we were given the challenge of how do you make electrification work?
1: Gotcha. So, and Christine and talking with you, you are maybe not focusing on so much deep scope, but hopefully much broader scale of, of retrofits. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about some initiatives you, you've been working on?
2: Sure. So, um, yeah, that is all so exciting what, what uh, you're describing, Adam. I love it. Um, so, yeah, the thing is that we realize that most people... Although I have to say I'm I'm happy that this is kind of changing. I think that the general awareness about energy and climate change and electrification has increased exponentially. Even in the last six months, like there's yeah. this new awakening, <laughs> which is great. Really. Um, incredible. Prior to that, um, it was kind of tough to talk about energy efficiency with people. It was like the the same old song that all the efficiency geeks were You know, including myself, I'm not disparaging anybody. We were like, oh, nobody cares about energy. How are we going to get people to care about energy? And so, we said, well, all right, instead of doing that, let's come at it from another angle and say, what are people doing to their houses anyway? What are they going to do without any care about energy? And so, a while back, I did a report for DOE on the top retrofit projects in the country. What's everybody doing? you know, and and roofing and siding, kitchen remodels, bathroom remodels, but we said, hey, you know what, a lot a lot of people reside their homes. Over a million houses are resided every year. That's a lot of houses. If we can touch even a small fraction of those million homes and improve the efficiency, we're going to have a huge impact, more so than if we try to bring one house down to zero energy. So we said, so back in, Gosh, almost 10 years ago now, we got a grant from uh, PSENG, the biggest utility here in New Jersey, to look at, reducing infiltration when residing. And that study was called Reside Tight Ventilate Right. And so for that house, we recruited contractors and through the contractors, we found homeowners and we resided 17 houses. And while they were doing the residing, once they tore off the siding, we said, instead of just putting any house wrap up, we want you to detail the house wrap as an air barrier. So, you know, they had to tape all the joints and be very careful about everything we did, blower door tests before and after. And we were able to reduce the infiltration quite a bit. On the average, 20%. Some one house was as much as 38%, but it's because it nice. was a real basket. When we started, it was so leaky. I was like, how did these people live here? Anyway, so so that was a success, but the the energy savings that we modeled based on that reduction in infiltration were modest at best. So it was sort of in the back of my mind, how can we amp that up a bit? And so then we, um, working with Department of Energy, we were able to do another study called ReSide Right. And for this one, we used, um, instead of just adding a a house wrap as an air barrier, we used uh, one inch of rigid insulation that had an incorporated uh, weather resistive barrier laminated to it um neopor, a neopore product, and so we put that on the houses, and we detailed it as the air barrier and the weather resistive barrier, and an extra nice R five on the outside because you know the continuous insulation has to become a more common practice anyway for current codes. And again, we wanted this to be with regular homeowners, not the energy homeowners, but any you know anybody who is looking to reside their house, and we wanted to work with regular contractors, regular siding contractors, to say. What's it gonna take for you guys to do this? What information do you need? How much training is required? How can we make this work for everybody? And so, that's the study that we're just finishing now. We did 10 houses. The infiltration reduction wasn't as high as it was with the house wrap because, you know, you're working with a three-dimensional product instead of just a sheet product. So, it was a little bit more tricky. And we were having them use a combination of liquid flashing and self-adhered flashing on the joints. And, you know, you're dealing with existing windows. That's the other key is these houses are not getting the windows replaced because that's that's a big ticket item and it hardly ever pencils out. It's usually, you know, if the windows are at the end, end of their useful life. But if the windows are in good shape and they're not replacing them and they're just residing, can we still do something? So our reduction in infiltration was lower. It was in the order of 10%. But then we got that nice bump of the R five on the insulation. So depending on whether they, if they didn't have any insulation in the stud cavity, we were like, whoa, we really improved it. But most of the houses had like an R11 or something. So, we're projecting that a combination of the insulation and the infiltration reduction, it's about modeled to be about a 10% savings. So, not amazing, but um, what we what we're happy about is we're capturing a part of the market that was not captured before. And we're trying to make this a step on the journey toward much higher performance. So, a step toward electrification. You know that envelope's got to be in good shape for electrification. Mm-hmm. So, this brings that awareness and they can go further. Now, a study that we're just starting now is called Wall, like renewal, but it's spelled as renew hyphen wall, and okay. with this one, I'm we're... Gonna get the pun in there? <laughs> I just had to make that totally clear. So <laughs> with this one, we're doing two inches of rigid insulation because, from a labor perspective, it's pretty much the same as doing one. You have to detail the the trim around openings a little differently, but you know yeah. it's nothing that the siding people can't handle. Most of the time, they're doing that with a with a break on site anyway, so it's not it's not a big deal. Anyway, um, we're doing two inches of rigid insulation and we are using a thermal buck around existing windows, which is a, you know that, the product that tries to give you a thermal bridge-free install of windows when you have exterior rigid insulation. And we're doing a high-performance storm window over existing windows because, again, we're, we've got windows, a lot of times they're still okay. But the high-performance storm windows, we're working with Brink Building Products and uh, for the thermal buck and Alpen Windows for the high-performance storm and BASF for the for the foam, and um, with their light high-performance storm window. Then, the, you know, we were look at these infrared images of our study and we're like, oh, the wall's so much better, but look at that energy dog of a window. So, now we're going to have that the window taken care of and we'll be able to do it all from the exterior so that we're not, you know, making it too disruptive for the homeowner. And we kind of see it as a way, you know, everybody's excited about panelized solutions like Energy Sprung and those kinds of things. And those are really cool, but our existing housing stock is so idiosyncratic. It's like, everything's different. So for a panelized solution, that seems to me like that's cool but you know, we we have too much variety for that. This is, you know, mass customization in a way. So that one is just starting and I'm really excited about that because I feel like with the 2 inches of rigid and the and the windows, we're going to get closer to driving those loads down much yeah, further yeah, and on absolutely. a path toward electrification. So
0: there, there's no doubt about that, uh, Christine. I love the idea. And I, um, I'm curious, is this, is, is, I know Alpen made a uh, interior storm window. Is that what this yeah. is?
2: That's, so or that's not? the Windsert. And so what's cool about this project is we're working with Alpen for an exterior install. So we are huh. reconfiguring that. And then the thermal buck, as you probably know, is designed for install in a rough opening. We don't have a rough opening. We're going to have plywood and a window, so thermal mm-hmm. buck. Uh, so the thermal buck and the uh, and the high performance, the windsert is now going to be called something else because it won't work as a windsert. Um, and what I really love is, I'm at the um, I'm at the uh, College of Architecture and Design at NJ at New Jersey Institute of Technology. We have architecture students, we have industrial design students. So right now, I just had a meeting with an industrial de- design student. I said, these are the components we're working with. He puts them into SolidWorks, which is like the software the industrial designers work with. And then we can bring it all into Revit and we can look at these pieces and say, okay, how do we retool these and design them for this work? So it's great experience for the students and it's a nice help to the manufacturers. So that refiguring, reconfiguring, I should say, these uh, materials to work for an exterior install are part of the research.
1: That's really cool. That's yeah. Really cool. So, Christine, is the is is there minimal need to get into the homes? I mean, is this with the systems you're talking that about? That is it's... also
2: the goal because it's okay. all an exterior install. I mean, we're going to do right. test in, test out. You know, we're going to do combustion safety. We're going to do blower okay. door. So there's a well, little bit the, of time the in trials, the house for the trials for
1: the. Right. Yeah.
2: But we don't we don't need to go inside to do the work. And that is definitely, part, especially, it's funny, when we designed the project, we thought, well, people like it when you're not bothering them. But now post-COVID, or it's really not post, you know what I mean. With the COVID experience we've all had, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, this is nice that we don't have to go inside. So. Uh,
1: okay. Okay. And so, again, is the idea that somebody needs new siding, they'll call, you know, they'll go to the not the yellow pages, they'll they'll Google siding contractors (laughs) in their their neighborhood and
2: and, uh, and,
1: whoever they call, they might be able to offer something along these lines. Well, you know,
2: and Rob, you're totally touching on what's so important is like, yeah, that's cool. But if it's like a bunch of people in a university and the Department of Energy, who cares? And it's like, okay, well, we need to get the siding contractors. So, a lot of companies have certified installer programs, and so and some of them have a green certified installer program. What I would love is to come at it from several different perspectives, but one of them is, hey, can we can we approach them uh, siding manufacturers and say, this is a package we've designed, we know it works. Can this be part of your uh, siding certification program specific to this? And the tagline is like renew wall, a better way to reside your home. And then that's the package so that more siding contractors can be brought into the fold to do this. That's that's the hope. Awesome.
1: And actually, I wanted to follow up. Well, I wanted to follow up with Adam about one of the things that you mentioned, Christine. The, the, you said that more people are interested in climate change and efficiency. And Adam, I'm thinking if if you're trying to get a lot of people to go full electrification, you know, whole hog on deep energy retrofits, they kind of got to care. Even if the cost pencils out, it's, it's, it's something that they really have to want to do. And that's one of my big questions is how many people really want to do this? How many people care about their home's efficiency? Do you have a feeling on that? Are you getting the same thing as Christine, that more people are caring? And again, it's, it's how you frame it.
0: And yes, people care about climate. And I've got a, a, just a a fun little graphic that we've been using in in some of the marketing stuff we've been testing, which is, you know, how much carbon savings do you get from recycling versus (laughs) driving a Prius versus taking your home to net zero energy? And it's like, 40 X. I mean, it's That's great. So much <laughs> different. It's, it's, it's an absolute game changer. Right. And so once people see the size of the circles that represent yeah. this carbon savings, you're like, Oh, yeah. I don't even need to recycle. If I, if I get a, <laughs> if I have a net zero energy retrofit house, like I'm good. Like I can yeah. fly in interco- you know, across the ocean multiple times a year and still I'm good, you know, not that but we're so advocating know, we'll any to of that, to that, but, <laughs> but <you> know, <laughs> That's right. it's like, what, what matters. Right. And so you start right. looking at that and it's that carbon guilt that, that, you know, that the, all these, you know, the corporations have been throwing at us to, to make us feel guilty individually for doing this, for being people and, human and living uh, uh, in in this capitalistic world. And, you know, you're bad and try to, you know, recycle, but that's just crazy. So if you can do something that has so much more of an impact that actually doesn't make you change your behavior, that's huge.
2: Well, yeah, I just want to interject just really quick too, is the company saying you're bad, so you better recycle and don't pay attention to what we're doing
0: exactly (laughs) right right yeah yeah just shifting the blame and it's exactly so so partially you know that answers your question but that's that's really more of this climate perspective but i mean here's the thing when i have people over to my house which i've taken to net zero energy and we can talk about all the different things that i did and and whatnot but when they come in they notice how much more comfortable my house is they Mm -hmm. notice that they don't hear that interstate anymore that's uh-huh. three houses down when they walk oh, through the geez. front door. They're like, wow, it's so quiet in here. Oh, wow, man. it's really comfortable in here. Oh, there's no humidity in here. I mean, Florida, that's what matters, right? You know, yeah, so sure. it's, it's comfortable, but it's not freezing. Like most people's homes are freezing cold to get rid of the humidity. My home, it's comfortable and mm-hmm. there's no humidity, right? Or the humidity is decent. So the, as soon as people, get to experience a home like this and like, wow, this is a 1955 home. Like this is just an everyday, you know, podunk house in the middle of St. Petersburg. Like, how did you do this? Then they get really excited and mm-hmm. they're like, I want to do this to my house. And, you know, doing word of mouth, that's, that's, that's not a easy. lot of people. It's, it's a lot, lot of people coming to your house. Of. <laughs> of, you know, but, but it's, it's the more we can demonstrate it, the more we can get people to just have that experience for 20 minutes. Um, really starts changing the, the mind frame. I think
1: so. so. visiting friends, family, neighbors who've done something like this—you you think that's one of the biggest movers?
0: It, it, it of course, it's going to be way too hard to scale if that's all we've got.
1: So, but, but, the,
0: so the thing that the thing that I think is most interesting now are these rebates. And so Christine, I've, I I'm really curious to see what the thoughts are around, you know, here here we are with these, you know, 9 billion dollars worth of rebates coming down the line yep. that are going to be deployed to 50 state energy offices across mm-hmm. the country and plus 27 billion in financing that will be mm-hmm. available for this stuff. Now, if you add insulation to this siding project, all of a sudden, you can get rebates for right. that project. Right. Yeah. you do storm windows, yeah. you can model that. Now, though, though there may not be line items for interior window, storm windows, or, or sorry, this, this exterior storm window you're doing. You may not get that in the low-income program, but you can model the savings for that and right. get a lot of credit for those things. So, you do that siding retrofit, put that together. All of a sudden, all these siding contractors, they can start taking advantage of something that they could never Take advantage of before, yeah, and get all these rebates, right? right? So, so that's a big piece of the puzzle, and um, you know, and homeowners know that this climate bill's out, and they're calling their contractors left and right, like. We want the rebate. How do we get the rebates? And we're yeah. like, we, we don't know yet. It's about a year out. So yeah,
2: he but <laughs> a little bit of red tape first, yeah,
0: but, but, you know, and, and so that's going to allow a whole different like grouping of folks to, 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 to talk about this in a different way and bring a lot more customers to the table, I think.
1: So I've, I've uh, two questions and they're related. And I'll, I'll, for both of you, I'll start with you, Christine, like, like the, the second part of the question is about financing. So you can think about that. (laughs) The first part is about, is about, uh, planning and staging and, and Christine, you're talking about, well, I have to reside. So let's do something there. If we're trying to get to zero energy or dramatically reduce carbon, go full electrification, how does staging that work? How does planning it work? And Adam, maybe it, I'll come to you in a second, but maybe it sounds like you're pushing for it all at once, which may be a too big a bill to swallow, scope, cost, maybe with rebates or not. But Christine, do you see, I mean, with with contractors you're talking with, do you see this as kind of step one to getting to much, much more?
2: I do. And it's, it's so interesting because before you, when you said I have two questions, I was going to say wait, I want to talk about something. And this is what I wanted to talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, because one of the things that is a little bit tricky with the research I'm doing is I'm only dealing with the walls. And we know there's a ton of leakage at the ceiling, right? Especially because where I'm working in the Northeast, a lot of houses have a true attic and you know there's, there's loss there. So before um, IRA came out and even like a while back, I was thinking this really needs to be a point where we talk to the homeowner and say, Hey, for your infiltration to get even better, you can deal with the attic and then try to connect them with like a home performance with Energy Star contract or BPI contract or somebody like that. So that was sort of a mini piece of the whole infiltration picture. But I really, I've been thinking about a lot about how do we put people on a path to zero over time because that is the reality for most homeowners. You know, most of them don't have um, a ton of money in their back pocket waiting to spend it on the house. Some do, a lot of them don't. I'm actually going through this right now with my house. My house is from 1926 or 28 or so. And it, you know, we went through the home performance with ENERGY STAR program several years ago. We did the dense pack uh, insulation and did the air sealing and all that. But um, my kids keep getting bigger. So I had to add on because my my son's room is kind of like a glorified closet with a window. And that was okay when he was four, but now it doesn't work anymore. So what's interesting for me is I'm modeling the house in Passive House. And I'm saying, all right. Well, the new part of the house is going to have se- um, fiberglass cavity insulation, and then it's going to have three inches on the outside, and we're going to do triple glazed windows. And th- so I've got, I'm going to have this like almost a Maserati, and then I'm going to have you know like a, a Ford Escort on the other side. So no, no disparaging to Ford Escort, anyway. You know what I'm saying? So, so how do? And the plan is, the house is stucco, so the plan is, okay, that's phase one, is the addition is going to be high performance, and then we're going to wrap the rest of the house in foam, and we're going to do high performance windows on on the existing windows of the rest of the house, and we're going to be, the new part's going to have a heat pump, the old part still is using the boiler, then that's going to be moving over to heat, pa- so it's this sort of, and the tough part is, you can't just give people a simple map, because all the houses are different. At the same time, there's probably a better way to have some sort of base armature that says, this is, what's, this is where I am with my enclosure. This is where I am with my equipment. And how can I get from point A to point Z zero energy over time? So that's really what we need to mm-hmm. be able to provide people. And of course, it's a lot uglier in reality because it's like, yeah, that we'll just do this, and then it's like, well, you know, the railing to my front stoop is going into that wall, and if <laughs> I put foam on it, it's not going to look, you know. And then you're pulling your hair out with everybody. But that's yep. the way it goes. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, 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 Adam, with, we're thinking about going much deeper. A can you stage it? B, if you do it all at once, how do you, how do you pay for it? Easy, easy questions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, so to the, to answer the staging question, yes, you can stage it, but it's gotta be done in the right order. And right. So if, you know, Christine's saying, well, oh, I need new siding. My house is falling apart. So, I'm a homeowner and I'm like, my, my, my mental model is all about the siding. And I call my siding contractor. Okay, you could add this extra thing. It's a nice additional um, you know, piece of the puzzle. And boy, if he had some modeling software that could like tell you exactly how much money you'll save and what kind of rebates you get, it might actually well more than pay for that extra cost on the siding project. So, depending on how all this stuff pencils out. So, that's cool. Okay. If you're a furnace contractor and your mental model is I need a new furnace, wait, my air conditioner just went out and it's still 90 degrees in Florida and as humid as all hell. (laughs) Like now what do I just go put in another outdoor unit? My father actually just went through this yesterday. I said, no, go for a heat pump. See if you can get the heat pumps, you know, go for, you know, and they didn't exist. They're completely Mm -hmm. out. Thanks to hurricane. Whoops. Mm. So the only choice he had is to put in a, you know, a $1,300 new compressor replacing the existing outdoor unit. Cause that's all that really went out. But we had an opportunity to get a, a heat pump in there to do for all the, and, you know, we couldn't do it. Cause they didn't have it. Right. But, you know, at that point, when you got this emergency replacement, it's, you got to make a game time decision. And if you are not primed for this concept of a heat pump at all, it's going to be a pretty tough sell. Mm. So in our world, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get in front of that homeowner before they have to make that decision before their equipment actually breaks and say, Hey, do you have old equipment? We think you might, because we pull permit data and have a whole bunch of information that talks about permits. And so, we we can say, oh, you, you've got old equipment. Let's Let's talk about heat pumps and let's talk about how much little extra it will cost to get a heat pump compared to getting a brand new gas furnace, right? So, that incremental cost is such a huge, helpful selling point if you can get in front of that emergency replacement. Now, some contractors are going to have the full set of heat pumps on the trucks and be able to go ahead and install that no problem in an emergency standpoint, if they're really with it and on the game. And, um, you know, you may have this stuff sitting in stock if you're a big enough company Um, or you've got a good distributor that's got everything and can ship same day and all that. Um, But, you know, so the question is. If that's the case and you're dealing with emergencies and you're going to put in a heat pump, then. Wait, what about the envelope? What are you replacing? You're replacing a hundred thousand BTU furnace with a forty thousand BTU heat pump. Mm. Okay, now we got to deal with envelope again, and so that screws up that getting in front of the emergency replacement timeline. If you can convince them to do the air sealing and insulation and the siding first. Great. <laughs> then you can do the heat pump later when, right. when that gas furnace when finally you got your loads out, down. Right? Yeah. Um, so so that's that's the problem with the staged approach. Yes, you can stage, but you have to do it in the right order. Or like in my case, I I went ahead and had the heat pump done before I had the windows put in, but I sized the heat pump for post new windows mm. because it was done in February, March be along many months before I knew the windows were going to show up. And then I, by the time peak cooling season came along, I would be okay. Right? So that's not a multi-year staged approach. It's a four, three, four three, four-month staged approach. And that works just fine. Um, but we modeled the whole thing ahead of time. So we knew what size we had to be able to target, like what size system are we going to put in when the peak season does come around. Right. And it did fine you know, since it wasn't peak season, it kept the house comfortable. Um, so those are the types of things you look at there. But but in, in terms of how do you go all in financing, financing is the key. And, you know, again, we I, I mentioned earlier, there's $27 billion of new money going into the green banks to help with this financing. And so that's that's going to be huge. The key thing here is to get that interest rate down. Like I hope that they can really make sure that that's subsidized and so that the, the, the interest rates are low. Low interest financing not only is really cost effective, it helps the cash flow make a lot of sense for these larger retrofits, but it also is really attractive to consumers. If a consumer is mm-hmm. out there like, oh my God, my mortgage rates are now 7%. And I can get 2% financing for my home remodel and retrofit. Oh, I want that or even 4% you know that so so and and it used to be the other way around where you know all this energy financing was seven eight percent but yet like heck i could refinance my home and get it for three percent why would i dare do that like (laughs) you know so so you were fighting in the opposite direction so so who knows what that's going to look like now but um that that financing is so important to making all this start to make sense and you know even that five cents a kilowatt hour i paid for my solar system Mm -hmm. if i would have financed that on a 20-year loan, I still would have been coming out at nine to ten cents a kilowatt hour.
1: Hmm. From
0: day one, I'm still three right cents on. less than the grid. So,
1: you know. Have have either of you seen financing mechanisms or 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 any other mechanisms really be to, to make this a lot more accessible to lower income people? That's something that I've seen programs really struggling with. That, you know, it's not people who really have this bigger energy burden taking advantage of these programs and of these dramatic savings and I, I don't know I don't know how to do that have do either of you have the have either of you seen effective strategies or ideas to block power to get at that okay yep they're, they're the
0: leasing Good. model right right they okay. they take on all of the infrastructure cost and they basically sell you heating and cooling as a service, hmm. right? It doesn't matter what your credit score is. They take on all that risk. They do all the, the, the retrofits and they sell you heating and cooling as a service. Cool. Um, Sealed is another wonderful vertically integrated company doing similar work, right? And they've got a financing model that you only pay them back on the loan based on how much you're saving off of your bill. Hmm. So your bill does not change at all, but you get all the increased comfort and benefits and you know of that until the loan is paid off. And after the loan is paid off, all that stuff is free now and you've got a much reduced energy bill. All right? So there's models gotcha. that can do it. I think the other big thing is, um, the, you know, 40% of all this new money is got to be geared towards low to moderate income. Right. And the um and in, in, in the the electrification rebates component of the climate bill is for some billion dollars in line item rebates for low to moderate income. So you got to be um, less than 150% of area median income. And if that's what you're making, you know, these rebates are incredible. If you bundled the rebates and did Christine's solar, you know, siding project, right. Mm-hmm. With the line item rebates and got the modeled rebates for the siding and the windows and got the line item rebates for this you're t- uh, That's that taps out at $22,000 worth of rebates. Wow. And you're probably looking at maybe a $30,000 total project, so in that case if you're in the lower incomes um you know you would have to finance you know eight thousand dollars maybe and and then you have the financing of course you got to deal with you know how do you finance um depend- if your credit score is really low right it, mm-hmm. if this new financing does not have some methodology to still loan to people with low credit scores um or debt to income ratios and things like that you know i think that's going to be crucial for deploying this financing but it's already designed. It's got to target 40%, you know, load, load of moderate income, or it's gotta, it's gotta be hit those disadvantaged communities. So I think it's going to happen. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for uh, a broad spectrum of folks to get
1: the fully deep energy retrofit and, and affordably. So cool. I can't believe we've already been talking for almost an hour. Um, wow. <laughs> The, I guess one question I wanted to ask both of you, Christine, I mean, are there any just awesome slam dunk scenarios that come to mind or or just fantastic projects or fantastic programs where you've just seen, you've just been really impressed with um, successful home energy retrofit scenarios? I mean, I've seen things that really work.
2: Um... You know, it's funny because here in New Jersey, the three programs that are mostly used. Our home performance with Energy Star, Comfort Partners, and then the weatherization program. And it really seems to be um, the goal... Where you land on savings is so driven by the programs. And I feel like it's even at least within home performance with Energy Star, it's so driven by the, what the contractor is kind of focusing on, whether they're mechanically focused or they're, you know, enclosure focused. And most of ours don't seem to be as focused on the enclosure. So they're looking more at the equipment. Um, and that has me a little bit concerned because. Because of the things that we've been talking about that if we want to go toward heat pumps, then the enclosure is kind of left behind. So, I know you're asking for positive. (laughs) That's not so (laughs) positive, but that's something that I'm a little bit worried about. Um, And I think that uh, some of the approaches that are being taken like statewide, the NYSERDA programs that are trying to look at successful retrofit projects in New York in particular. I think those have been great case studies for people to potentially follow. You know, multifamily housing, affordable housing, how do you get these how do you get these to perform well and then how do you set up case studies so that other professionals can follow in those footsteps and do the same thing on more buildings? I
1: <clears throat> I think case studies, I would love to see more case studies and not on both sides, like case Mm -hmm. studies just for consumer, consumer level case studies with, you know, real people, real buildings, real energy bills, Mm -hmm. and then deeper case studies for the contractors, you know, if it's like, oh, you know, this will never work. Oh, hey, look, here's data. It worked. It worked perfectly. Right. Adam, any great success stories that come to mind? program level or one house that you thought was awesome or mine? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's it's awesome. Fun,
0: right. I mean, it just like, uh, just doing it, doing it yourself is super interesting. Um, you know, getting to eat your own dog food is, is, you know, is always <laughs> the thing you would like,
1: Great re- you, talk it, you,
0: you preach it, you know, now actually go do it. Oh man, it, it's really hard. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned from this process of, of managing a complex net zero energy retrofit with five different trades in my Mm -hmm. house. Right. And especially in a new area where I don't know any of the trades. And so I'm starting from scratch, not Mm. going to the yellow pages, but to the Google reviews (laughs) and, um, you know, finding three or four contractors to come and give you a bid from each of the trades, because down here there's no vertically integrated anything. Like nobody's Mm -hmm. like picking home performance down here. Um, so it's humbling and interesting and it's like, oh man, can we build solutions? Can we build tools to bring these pieces together, to help facilitate project design, to help educate the consumer and make this all way easier? Because I probably put in 150 some hours of my life just into figuring out what needed to be done to this house, finding the contractors and pulling the trigger on it, right? And we gotta be able to do that in five hours. And, uh, you know, at least in, in, and then make it cost effective and, and, you know, get everybody on board. So I think there's a lot of different solutions. Um, I'm really excited for the new BPI uh, certificate that they're coming out with. This is, um, and I think, you know, Rob was uh, on our um, committee with that, but it's, it's uh, this new home decarbonization specialist is a certificate from BPI that's above building analyst that's going to um, really test and, and, and create a new um, role of an individual who does project design. For a whole home and mm. really thinks through envelope improvements um heat pump requirements sizing equipment ductwork, all of that and then what kind of solar might be contributing to that brings all the economics together this person knows energy modeling they know the building science they know how to communicate with a consumer and tell and explain all how all this works together with the homeowner and once you have that spec once you've got the design you can go to any insulation contractor and say i need you to get this amount of insulation into this attic in this way and go to any hvac contractor that sells a Daikin or a mitsubishi or whatever it is you want i need this spec put in one of those and now you get apples to apples bids Mm -hmm. and while we haven't like proven this and gotten it out there this is the idea that i think is going to allow this whole thing to come together um, as the rebates get deployed and as technologies continue to increase and and improve, um, that's going to be crucial because I don't see a lot of new home performance contractors coming online to be, you know, there's going to be the vertically integrated folks, right? And they're, they're out there and, but they can only do so much. They're, they're not yeah. going to be able to do 80 million homes. Right. And, yeah. and there's a reason why you have where um, there's but there's no national hvac companies there's no national insulation companies mm-hmm. right you have plenty of national um you know card companies and like i mean there's so many different yeah. explanations i probably come up with better examples there but but there's there's lots of national corporations that do all
1: different kinds of services but not not in this space mm-hmm so maybe you might have just answered my last question which is if we were to talk again in five years what do you hope we'll be we'd be talking about that
0: this whole thing has been really successful and most homes yeah. are now electrified and, and <laughs> we've, we've done we've done at least 40 million out of the 80 million by then that's that's what we got to do but
1: um we'll see Christine if we were to talk again in five or ten years what do you what do you think or what what do you hope we'd be talking about
2: uh, I would hope that, yeah, we, we've seen this complete excitement and um, adoption of low energy homes, and that we're moving on to discussion of regenerative buildings and, you know, yeah. actually improving <laughs> our surroundings with our buildings and having them function yeah. more like, you know, like trees and, it, you know, moving to the next level with this. So, I love that. and having it feel like, you know, something that people, You know, that the people who are doing the work can have pride in what they've done and that the legacy of what they've done is um, is something that they can feel aligned with their values. Like we've done the right thing and we're, you know, we're as goofy as it sounds. We're making the world a better place. So,
1: yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, take it. I take pride in my work. It's right. you Both do clearly. It, that definitely shows. And that's, that's awesome. And, and I love working with contractors. You do the same thing. Yeah? yeah. Yep. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you both very much. That was a really fun conversation. That was. Thanks. Good. That's awesome. Thanks again to Adam and Christine. We have links to their info and their organizations uh, in the show notes. We also have links to several of the other resources we mentioned. Buildings and Beyond is produced by Stephen Winter Associates. Visit swinter.com slash podcast to see the show notes. That's swinter.com slash podcast for show notes and other episodes. And check out our careers page if you are interested in uh, exploring opportunities to help improve buildings. We have offices in DC, New York City, Connecticut, Boston, Uh, Actually, our Boston office recently moved to Somerville, to Greentown Labs in Somerville. Uh, Thanks for listening. And thanks to the podcast team here, especially Alex Mirable, who really does a lot of the heavy lifting, producing this podcast, and also editing many of the episodes. Thanks again.